Good morning. You see here the Roman god Janus, for whom January is named. His image was often inscribed at gates and entryways, doors, passageways between one thing and another. And so January, perhaps aptly named, as the month where we start a new year. And we move from one time to a new time. And typically, his image was understood to reflect the idea of looking back to the past and looking forward to the future. And while we're thinking about the Roman Empire, perhaps Marcus Aurelius comes to mind. The movie Gladiator made him so famous. He was also an emperor and a philosopher. He was a Stoic, and typically Stoics like to remind us that there's no point in worrying about what you can't control. There's no point in getting upset about something beyond your power. So chill and stop it. He also tells us, begin the morning by saying to thyself, I shall meet with the busybody, the ungrateful, arrogant, deceitful, envious, and unsocial. Remember that as it is a shame to be surprised if the fig tree produces figs, so it is to be surprised if the world produces such and such things of which it is productive. That is, our world produces people who are not very thankful, who are not particularly humble, who often do not tell the truth, who often are not content with what they have already, and often aren't particularly friendly. This is normal. This is to be expected. So don't be upset if it happens. It's inevitable. It's bound to happen. But we shouldn't not only be not surprised by this, but also not turn away from such. For we are made for cooperation, like feet, like hands, like eyelids, like the rows of upper and lower teeth. To act against one another, then, is contrary to nature. And it is acting against one another to be vexed and to turn away. So you meet with the busybody, the arrogant, the unsocial. And you're frustrated, you're angry, you're upset, you're disappointed. And in that moment of being disappointed, you turn away. You disengage. You retreat. You leave them alone, and you leave well enough alone. Rather than find a way to engage this world that is broken, that is fallen, that is filled with people just like you and me that have issues and that are difficult to get along with sometimes. Moving into the present century, we have Marie Howe, a poet who speaks of this kind of thing as it pertains to our visit to the grocery store. I thought about putting up a few pictures of the people of Walmart, but I was afraid it would detract from my message today. <laughs> Marie Howe, the Star Market. This particular image comes from the Star Market in Boston. Maybe it's something like what she had in mind. This is something you might recognize from recent years, long lines, not entirely full shelves, some people masked up, and perhaps the frustration that goes along with this kind of environment. Her poem reads, The people Jesus loved were shopping at the Star Market yesterday. An old lead-colored man standing next to me at the checkout breathed so heavily I had to step back a few steps. Even after his bags were packed, he still stood breathing hard and hawking into his hand. The feeble, the lame, I could hardly look at them. Shuffling through the aisles, they smelled of decay, as if the star market had declared a day off for the able-bodied, and I had wandered in with the rest of them, sour milk, bad meat, looking for cereal and spring water. Jesus must have been a saint, I said to myself, 
looking for my lost car in the parking lot later, stumbling among the people who would have been lowered into rooms by ropes, who would have crept out of caves or crawled from the corners of public baths on their hands and knees, begging for mercy. If I touch only the hem of his garment, one woman thought, could I bear the look on his face when he wheels around? You'll notice in this poem that the kinds of things she describes remind you a little bit of the Gospels, some of the miracles she describes there at the end. But notice as she describes the scene in the market, she says, I could hardly look at them. Keep that in mind, that'll come back later. But then she says, here they are, I could hardly look at them, but, but here they are on this day when I had wandered in. And notice that word, wandered. She's the one not particularly focused and clearly directed. But she's looking for cereal and spring water. What? Bread and water, the things of life, perhaps the living bread, perhaps living water. And the very next word in the poem is Jesus. That's what she's looking for. And what does she find instead? Gross people. And what does she think about now? Jesus. And the people Jesus loved, they were there. But guess who else was there? She was also there at the Star Market, also one of the ones whom Jesus loves. And what is she doing? Looking for a lost car. So she's wandering, and she's lost, and she's stumbling among those people. She's not well. She's not good. She needs help. And she thinks about these people who, in the Gospels, would have been like that man who was paralyzed, and his friends helped him find Jesus, lowered him through the roof. Or the others, like the paralytic at the bath, the pool of Bethesda, Or perhaps, like the blind man who needed to be healed. Or this woman who was sick for over a decade, wondering if she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, what would he think of her? How would he look at her? How would he respond when he finds out who touched him? That idea, that moment is captured in a scene from The Chosen, that series that's been released recently. And in this moment, you see a look very much like the one described in that poem. What is he going to think? What is he going to say? How is he going to look at me when he realizes that I was the one who had such need? I just had to reach out and touch him. But as the filmmakers portray this scene, they show us what Jesus does instead. He is not disappointed in her. He does not reject her. And for the first time in over 12 years, someone touches her on purpose. And it's Jesus. And he welcomes her. He restores her. And he praises her faith, which has made her well. And he calls her daughter. She'd been disowned for over a decade. No one had called her that. And in that moment, she begins to see how Jesus sees her. And maybe that's what Marie Howe is working through in that poem, realizing I was such a jerk that day. I went to the store acting like all those people had a problem, not even looking at myself clearly, and all the stuff I brought with me to the store that day. There's another story that she mentions, this idea of crawling out of a pool or a bath. There's a moment at the Pool of Bethsaida when Jesus heals a man who had been blind. In this story, though, notice that it's like the man who was lowered with his friend's help. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes, put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. 
and he saw everything clearly. It's kind of a strange story. What Jesus needed to do over, he needed to, to touch him twice. Perhaps it's reflecting this larger truth that there are so many of us who know Jesus, who've encountered Jesus, who've been healed by Jesus, but we still got a long way to go. We still don't see clearly. We don't see people clearly. They're not even people to us, like trees walking around. They're just gross, in our way, everywhere. And yet in this moment, notice that this man couldn't get to Jesus all on his own. It was his friends who brought him there. It was his friends who were begging Jesus to heal him. And then Jesus does touch him, take him all the way out. The first time healed most of the way. The second time healed completely. And so it raises the question, rather than Janus at the center of everything, how about Jesus? And as we look to the past, how do we see ourselves? What do we think about? What do we remember? What keeps coming to mind? And what keeps defining how we see ourselves? I would encourage us to let Jesus help us with that. How does he see us? Who are we really in his eyes? It's way too easy to let our understanding of ourselves, our experience with ourselves, keep us from seeing how lovable we are and how much we are loved by the one whose power to love is unlimited. And he shows it to us. And then the question becomes, as we look to the future, as we look outward, how do we see others? Is it possible for the love of Jesus to change how we see everybody else, including ourselves? We shouldn't be surprised by brokenness and need, as Marcus Aurelius reminds us. And as the poem by Marie Howe tells us, we are the people Jesus loves, but so is everybody else. Maybe we're like the blind man, still in the middle of Christ's healing work on us. Maybe we could use a few friends who help us find the Lord, who help encourage us to seek his help and continue to pray for us. And maybe... As we look to the past and recognize our own deep need, we'll find Christ's great love. And maybe moving forward in Christ's great love, we can reach out to a world and the deep need that surrounds us every day. I hope that's true for all of us. And I hope that's true for your new year. You're dismissed.